Before we hop in with our incredible guest here on the Championship Leadership Podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit real quick about my world class, Unleash the Leader Within Experience, a four-day experience that is built to give you momentum in life that will create the movement that will allow you to go out and accomplish goals and outcomes that you have felt like are mountains, like mountains that are almost impossible to overcome. Unleash the Leader Within, you go through this experience, all of the different modalities are strategically put in place to help you to become the person today that will allow you to become the person that you want to be tomorrow. All about creating a life that you love. And we do that in many different ways. We've had incredible results from hundreds of clients that have come through in the last four years that we've been running Unleash the Leader Within. And so if you want to create a new operating system for yourself, if you want to have a level of certainty that would have people respond to you at a much higher level as a leader, inside of your life and you want to go out and have results that like i said you thought at one point were insurmountable and you want to turn mountains into molehills inside of your life and create a life that is unrecognizable take what feels like the impossible and make it possible then go to www.natebailey.org forward slash ulw Let's go! In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera. I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. And marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way Cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want I said it, then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it done Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey, baby Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Championship Leadership Podcast. We got Katie Campbell here just uh, outside of San Antonio. So thanks for being here. Howdy, Nate. Thanks for having me. Really excited to hang out with you today. Absolutely. Me too. Uh, What comes to mind for you when you hear championship leadership? What does that mean to you? I've been thinking a lot about that question because I've listened to your podcast now for a while and I am always interested in what people are going to answer. Yeah. The word championship, all I can think of is athletics. I mean, I was a yeah. collegiate swimmer. I've done a number of different sports my entire life. Oh, man, we could go down that rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> I am here for that. I'm totally here for that. Uh, championship is not just a participant. This isn't just somebody who's in a role as a leader. There's lots of people who are leaders. When I think of championship leadership, this is the best of the best of the best. 
These are the people who have a system and a way and a process of thinking about and really embodying and then executing on how they want to lead people and teams. So these aren't people who just kind of wing it or they've gained skills by osmosis. These are the people who literally train like Kobe Bryant did, like Michael Jordan did, like Tiger Woods did, that this is their discipline. And because they're a champion, they're at the, they're the one percenters of all leaders they are at yeah. the absolute top of their game. So these are the people who eat, breathe, sleep leadership. Yeah. So that's what comes to mind. Awesome. I love that. So, um, where did you, where were you a collegiate swimmer at? James Madison university, Harrisonburg, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. So what, let's talk about that. That's, that's been in the news lately, right? A, a, a bit with, uh, What's what? What was his her name? Uh, Thomas. The, the, uh, for for women's softball. No, uh, swimming. Leah Thomas. For Leah Thomas, yeah. Leah Thomas, the the, the guy that that uh, competed with women's sports, and then who's who's the collegiate swimmer that's kind of taken the charge on that? Or is her last name Gaines? Are you familiar with what's going on here with that? Not with that one. Uh, well, no, I've, I've kept up on the stories of it, and it's it's an interesting controversy in the sport. Now I grew up swimming, um, alongside of a lot of, a lot of guys and did for years. I mean, from the time I was like in fifth grade through, you know, four years in college. And there's a lot of times where as, as women, we could hang with them. And there are a lot of times where we couldn't, there's just huge differences. Um, and I think that the, because they're in college, even though they're not kids, they're young adults, right? It depends on the level for sure. And there are ages, um, and I think you can see this with lots of other sports where the, the boys and the girls tend to separate a little bit and they play and compete very differently. And so swimming was no was really no different in that respect. The challenge that I see with that whole situation, no matter what side you're on of it, is they're really leaving the decision up to the kids who are in college. And they're not kids. They're over 18 years old. And I understand that. You're young adults. But the NCAA seems to have taken a huge step back in terms of being forthright about what they're doing and what this means for, you know, people who are competing on a men's team or competing on a women's team and the lack of clarity and transparency through the process, I think is one of the biggest mistakes that they've made through the process and decisions were made without thinking about the wholesale ripple effect and ramifications, not just in one sport for one competitor, but really all sports. And this isn't an an issue that anyone's really been able to figure out in any sport, professional, amateur, or collegiate. So it's a, it's a, it's a real pickle. And this is one of those situations where you really needed to have different kinds of governing and convening bodies, working with scientists and really thinking about what was the purpose of the sport to begin with? What is the purpose of competition to begin with? And they're just, they just didn't do that. A lot of really big missteps. And now they're trying to figure out, oh, wow, what should we change or should we change? And it's a, it's a huge mess, but the NCAA in particular is going through a huge transformation right now with athletes being able to be paid for their likeness, their image and what they bring to the university. So, you know, I see that as one element of so many things that's happening right now across all collegiate sports. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. That whole situation is interesting with Leah Thomas. It's just like, she was not a good swimmer when she was competing with all the males. And then obviously she dominated when she started 
competing against the women and then to hear the stories of her actually sharing the locker room and and that coming out too was very interesting too so it's it felt like it's they just, just kind of said hey yep this is how it is deal with it <laughs> it's like all right well you just like completely you know cutting the audience in half and saying one half like it's all right and the other half just deal with it and uh that's right so hopefully they hopefully they figure that out but, i think they're gonna have to i think yeah. they're gonna have to um because right now because of the financial elements that are now interjected into the ncaa their ability to wield the big stick is a lot less than it used to because yeah. now yeah. the athletes it's the tail wagging the dog a little bit more yeah so they're gonna have to do something um but i think this has been a really interesting case of this is what happens when you don't think it through from end to end and from all perspectives right. before making a decision and just saying go yeah 100 percent. yeah i mean talk about leadership that's huge opportunity there for leadership to really shine and doesn't feel like it did so but yeah they, <laughs> but they've got nowhere to go but up yeah yeah right yeah unfortunately <laughs> um yeah uh well tell tell us a little bit more about you and your background and your journey kind of wherever you want to start that and how that brings you to where you're at today and what you're up to today yeah so my journey the story that's yeah that, we could go in a hundred different directions right. there but i think yeah. What makes the most sense is, and what I had a, a previous boss tell me is that it, around leadership, I'm a student of the game. I think in any place that I've worked, whether it's the Pentagon to nonprofits to consulting with Big Four Consulting or running my own businesses, which is what I do now, I've been studying what great leadership and what great cultures look like for as long as I can remember. And I've had the great pleasure of working for and working under amazing leaders, um, swimming for and competing for amazing coaches. And then I've also run into the quite the opposite of that. And so, yeah. you know, what I do now is I work with companies and I work with leaders to try and make it so that they don't have to make some of those same mistakes that I saw other leaders make. And also to help modernize the way that they lead because leadership and the remit for leadership is very different than when you and I started our careers and started out in, you know, kind of junior leadership levels. It's not the same anymore. It's it's harder. It's more complex. Um, and a lot of times people get into those leadership roles and they don't have the support that they need. So historically, I've been in whether I'm leading a team or supporting a team or consulting with a team or a leader. That's what I see my purpose is, is to really help them shape the way that they want to be leading for the success of their organization. And like I said, I've had the opportunity to do it in so many different contexts. So when somebody says to me, well, it's a little bit different here. You know, our, our, our mission is, is more difficult or our clients are more difficult, or you just don't understand it. Leadership is leadership is leadership and the way that you treat yeah. people and how you right. motivate, engage, inspire them hasn't really changed because human beings haven't changed. The world has accelerated and the world of work is very different, but the, what people are really looking for when they come to work and how they expect to be treated and, you know, what they really need to excel and to do amazing things for their organization hasn't changed at all, yeah. at all. Yeah. And so um, it's really been just being a student of what does excellence and exceptional leadership look like? And then, how can I share that information, that knowledge with the leaders that I have the opportunity to work with? 
take a quick pause here inside of this incredible interview that you are listening to to let you know about my 100 mile mindset audiobook if you would like a copy for free you just have to send me a quick email at nate at coachnatebailey.com or you could send me a private message i'm all over the place on social media at coach nate bailey instagram you can find me on facebook you can find me on linkedin you can find me on twitter you can even find me on the new social media app out there threads through instagram but if you would like the free 100 mile mindset so you could create a 100 mile mindset for yourself based on my experiences my lessons learned from being an ultra marathon runner shoot me a message i'll i'll send it to you for free yeah it's also a little bit interesting because you know you would have the tendency to think the higher the level of success in an organization that you might work with or you know even mentioned the pentagon or you know i've i've talked to you know professional athletes to world champions to uh you know tier one operators in the military and i think you're you would just you just kind of automatically assume that at those levels that it's nothing but great leadership <laughs> and the, the crazy part is is that there's shitty leaders everywhere <laughs> there are and that's, that's when people people would say oh you worked at the pentagon that must have been so amazing it was absolutely yeah. um even growing up in washington dc i revered the opportunity to to work with some of these folks and there were times where i just saw really terrible it, it wasn't even misintended, right? People just yeah. don't know what they don't know or weren't right. willing to learn. And it's unfortunate because what they do, especially the higher up you go, as you know, it has an, an outsized or an oversized impact on people that they can't even see. They don't yeah. realize that because they haven't gone through and done the reps or they haven't been coached or they haven't been educated or they don't even care to be a student of their own game, yeah. that they really have a, a, a disproportionately negative impact all the way down to the lowest person in the organization. And it's a real shame. So, you know, I, I think probably for the rest of my professional days, however long that is, I'm bullish on wanting to go and change that for people to really try and win hearts and minds to say, you can do better than this. You have to do better than this. Leadership is not the same as just trying to you know, keep the machine going. That's not what you're doing here. Like this right. is, this is different and you have to really own that and body it, but you can't just, it doesn't magically happen by osmosis. Like this is a practice. You've got to work at it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's, uh, who have been some of the great leaders that have influenced you coaches, mentors that you've had um, and what's really stood out to you from those individuals that maybe you've taken to help mold who you are as a leader? One of the, um, I'll use the Pentagon as an example again, because that's where I first encountered leadership at a level that I'd never experienced before. Yeah. I was totally trying to punch above my weight class being yeah. 22 years old. Um, <laughs> I worked for a man who at the time was uh, a colonel. His name is Hawk Carlisle. He ended up retiring as a as a four-star awesome. general colonel name, by the way, so cool. he had the best call sign F-16 yeah. pilot. Yeah. Just, I mean, awesome. really cool, badass guy. And, and really the kind of person you just want to be around. Like you want to go get a beer with him. Yeah. Although his drink was scotch, I think at the time, sure. I remember that he, I was a, I was a contractor. I wasn't even a government employee. And he treated me like number one, he treated me like I was a part of the team from day one. Yeah. He never said, well, 
you're a contractor, so you can't do this. He would send me in in his place or in our boss's boss's place. I would take a two-star general seat at a meeting. He'd say, well, let's just go in there and, you know, we just need to come back with information. Just don't make any decisions. Okay. That would be great yeah, if you yeah, didn't yeah. make any decisions, <laughs> but he let me, he let me stretch and he knew he was challenging me because I didn't know everything, but I knew enough to be dangerous, I guess, at the moment. Yep. But he also had a perspective, even though we were in a, a part of the, the organization for the air force that controlled all the money, you know, we were helping to plan for five to seven years down the road. And if we made a, bad math error right here, it's going to have a, a really out, you know, a, a huge impact on people on the warfighter for years to come. We knew that we couldn't do that. He was focused on us. He was like, his, he had a philosophy called the five F's and it was like faith, family, fun, freedom, and friends. He said, that's what is most important in life. Work is not one of them. He said, what we do here you know, for the United States Air Force at the Pentagon, it's absolutely critical, right? It's critical to the nation, to globally, all this kind of stuff. And this is not the only thing in life. And it's not the most important thing. At the end of the day, you need to go home safe to your family. At the end of the day, you need to be filled up by your friends. And so his that philosophy seems so counterintuitive to me coming right. from a senior military official. And come to find out, he had talked about that for, I think, from the time he was a, a baby lieutenant. Sure. Probably all the way as he, he got the rest of his stars. But I've been able to bring that to so many different organizations that before burnout was the term du jour, yeah. had people really struggling with that, leaders who were really struggling with that. And it's because they let work consume them versus focusing on the thing that was going to sustain them to be able to do great work. And so... The kinds of the way that he treated me as part of the team and that he trusted me to to stand in his place when need be. Uh, but most importantly, he taught me what was most important about how a leader needs to inspire people to focus on what should be most important to them. And it was never the work. How awesome that is, you know, especially being so young, uh, 22, you know, you have the tendency you, you probably don't have a family yet. You know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but you know, you're young, you're 22. You, you still got so much ahead of you when you're that age. You're like, man, I got, I got time for all that other stuff. Right. And so your priorities could be very easily focused that it is all about work and right to have that lesson ingrained into you as a leader at such a young age. What an incredible gift. It was a huge gift. And, and I really got, I had the opportunity to go and work there because my boss said, Hey, would you like to? And I just said, yes. Yeah. But I got that from my mom who years ago, when I was a kid growing up, I was not the best swimmer by any stretch. I don't even know how I got it to be able to swim at a division one school. Um, yeah. But at the time when I was really just starting to cut my teeth, I was always like the fifth person on a four person relay. And so she uh -huh. said, you've always got to be ready for she called it the big bus theory. Like if someone gets hit by a bus, like you should have your cap, goggles, towel, yeah. suit, you got to be ready to go. And that actually happened to me once when I was 12 wow. years old Yeah. and I got put in and it was like, oh my Lord, she was right. Yeah. So ever since then, when someone said, hey, do you think you could, or would you like to, I don't say yes to everything, but that was like, yeah. who, who says no to working at the Pentagon? Not right. this girl. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah I'm going to have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing here, but I'll, I'll do it. I'll learn it. Like, why would, why wouldn't you? Yeah. And that, that lesson that she taught me at 12 years old has really carried me to do a lot of interesting things similar to that. 
because I was willing to take the risk and just say yes and you know, right. hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love it. Love it. I was just reading something today and just, uh, you know, kind of along the same lines of just great leaders, championship leaders, you know, they're decisive. They they have the ability to, you know, a decision like that for some people might be like, oh my God, I can't do that. I'm not ready. Or, you know, I got to have this, this, and this in line before I go and do something like that. And I think, you know, the, the, the best of the best are those that are aspiring to be. So, you know, they're going to jump at those opportunities, make the decision to go and, and know, like you said, we're going to go figure it out. 100%. Hasn't yeah. let me down so far. Yeah. Yeah. What's the vision for you of where you want to go and, you know, what you want to accomplish, uh, you know, in, in your career and in your, in, in your life. Aside uh, from world domination. Yeah, yeah. Aside from that. <laughs> um, I'm in the process of writing a book on emotional intelligence, number one. So I really would like to, I'd like to be able to bring that to not just the business world or the corporate world, but really just to bring it to the masses. I feel like it's a, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot, like strategy or communication. People say yeah. emotional intelligence and they think of empathy and then that's where it ends. And it's so much more complex than that. And at the same time, if you get on Google and you say, what's the most important leadership skill or what are the most important leadership attributes, the lion's share of what you'll find under that list will be components that that make up emotional intelligence. Sure. Yeah. So then when you marry that with the work I've been doing with leaders for years, you can't just say, just be more emotionally intelligent, Nate. It doesn't work that way. Right. And people will say, okay, uh, how do I get the empathy? Like, how do I have that? Yeah. It's it's a it's a different kind of a process, and so what I found is that in in the literature, it's either super academic, you have got to be reading journal articles, which not everyone's going to do, or it's so puddled deep of how do I be a more intelligent, servant, heart led leader? And so I want to write a book on it to really help leaders who say, okay, I think that's 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 my next mantle. That's what I really want to do, or that's how I want to show up as a leader for my people. Well, it's a skill, and you can develop it. Yeah. So I want to help people to figure that out. So that's one of the next big projects on the horizon is, is getting that book to market and really getting it out as far and wide as possible so that the leaders of organizations can help to bring that to their teams. The people who are already doing it sort of by default, that they've got a way to be able to explain and share it with the people yeah. that, that are leading um, in their organization too. Yeah. I think that's even, you know, especially for... I don't know, let's call them really successful, high producing people that get put into leadership positions. Sometimes they can't empathize or understand why everyone else can't just be like them. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that's probably a, a big piece of what they're missing. Right. Is some of that emotional intelligence to be able to really relate to everyone else around them that they're now leading. I think that's a big reason why maybe some of the big superstars in whatever sport that you've ever followed, you know, most of them don't ever become coaches or, or, or even if they do, they, they struggle to be great coaches because probably because of that, they just can't understand why everybody wasn't as great, isn't as great as them. And it's frustrating for them. It's, it's really true. And it's unfortunate, but you know, that's exactly why that show undercover boss yeah. is so popular Love and it. why if you get on like youtube or tiktok they have tons of video clips from that it's in the, the show isn't as big as some other ones that are out there that that are connected to business but it's because you see these ceos realize that people are 
not surviving on minimum wage or living yeah. out of their car, but these are the exceptional employees that they have. Or what happens when somebody was promised a bonus and doesn't get it, but this is the person who that would get them into owning their first home or whatever the case may be. It's because you you are seeing the empathy happen in real time. And it's yeah. so from an outsider's perspective, it feels really good. What I, I believe needs to happen though, too, is can, not everyone's going to go under undercover boss. Right. So how do we help leaders be able to take some of those perspectives and really understand the human side of their business outside of engagement surveys and outside of net promoter scores. Like that stuff is, you can, you can fudge all of that. That's not real. It's right. not real enough. The human beings around you are. And so I think that's, I do see that that's going to be the next wave of how people win the game of leadership or win in the future of work. It's not just the companies that are going to have the best automation or the best use of AI or the best digital enterprise. All that stuff is great. And it's sort of like you need to have it, but it's really going to be how you are able to affect positively the humans in the system in your workplace, yeah. on your team. Yeah. And when you can do that, you can do almost anything. You can do almost anything. Yeah, so the, right. the, the organizations are going to win are going to be the ones that figure this out first. Like this is going to be... I feel like it's, you know, as opposed to like the, the technology race to me, this is the people side of the business. And this mm -hmm. is going to be the one where the people have been doing emotionally intelligent leadership, championship leadership for years. This will be like old hat for them. But that's only like probably one to 2% of all the leaders are out there. Yeah. What if, even if it was just 20% of the leaders out there could really embody true servant, you know, emotionally intelligent leadership? Yeah. That would be a game changer, oh, total man. game changer. Right. You'd have, you'd have podcasts for years of trying, yeah. of, of like finding all these championship leaders yeah. Yeah, doing absolutely. it. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, let's shift course here a little bit. Um, what's, what's a moment for you, a critical moment for you that, you know, had things gone differently or had you chosen differently to be in a different, very different place in your life? Uh, I think there's a lot of strength for the listener to hear that that might be in that moment right now. So is there a time that comes to mind that you can share? There's, there's, there's two that I can think of, yeah. but they coincided together. So one was okay. personal and one was professional that coincided. So five years ago, my marriage completely fell apart. And for somebody who had been teaching communication and emotional intelligence and yeah, how to lead yourself and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Talk about the most embarrassing failure you could possibly have to mm -hmm. say, I can get it right in every aspect of business and I can teach you to be exceptional, but in my personal life, it's not going really well. Yeah. And at the same time, I was working for a leader who told everybody that he believed in all of this stuff in empathy and, you know, extraordinary leadership. And he didn't, he didn't practice it. Yeah. He was, he was extraordinarily toxic. And I decided that even before I had another job that I just had to leave, mm -hmm. which is counter to everything that my parents and every system I've ever been in, it's, you got to have another job before you leave your job. So five years ago, this is before the great resignation or anything like yeah. that. I just said, I can't do this. I can't do this, that I, I, this is something that I actually can't overcome. And I really needed to take a step back and reevaluate how did I get into this spot to begin with? And what I realized was, although I had taken care of my physical health, my intellectual health, um, a good part of my emotional health as it related to business, I had not taken care of my emotional and mental health as it related to Katie. 
Mm-hmm. And so what I see a lot of leaders struggling with at the moment is they have all the pressures of the world of work today. And it's it's extraordinarily hard in, in, in certain markets. And then you have on top of it, the societal pressures, you've got economic pressures, social, all the things, right? It's just little fires everywhere. And they're really convening into this place where it's looking like an inferno for some people and you can't hold it together then. You can't yeah. be a championship leader when you're in a, in a space of not taking care of your mental health. And so yeah. um, I just wrote a LinkedIn post about this the other day because it's Mental Health Awareness Month. We're in the month of May still. If I had not started some of that journey to take better care of that, you and I would not be talking today. I would yeah. still be around and alive. So not that right. extreme. Um, for some people, it is that extreme. Yeah. And so um, for somebody who's coached people who are cabinet secretaries and been in and out of like, you know, the Fortune 500 companies and, and being able to do my craft at all these amazing levels you still have to do the the full care of your own person first before you can actually, you know, do the rest of that job really well. So just because I knew all of this stuff didn't mean I practiced it. And that was a huge mistake. And so, you know, I went to school myself and said, if I'm going to talk to people about taking care of themselves, then you, I have to do it. You know, Katie, you yeah. have to do it. And so um, I left the toxic boss um, and it, it, that was, it put me on a path to say, I will not stay any place when that kind of toxicity is around. I refuse, I don't care how much money you pay me. I refuse to work for leaders who don't believe in exceptional leadership, who don't believe in taking care of their people. They have to walk the talk. And yeah. I had let myself say, well, you know, the rest of the job is fine. The leader is bad. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think that that's the case. And so, um, you know, that really put me on a journey to where my mental health is like in a good way through the roof. And yeah. it'll always be something that I try and take care of, encourage other people to do. And I talk about it all the time because when people, when I do share my story, I talk about going to therapy, talking about putting myself through the ringer and pulling myself through knot holes. It's mm-hmm. because I want people to know that this is totally normal and fine. If you yeah. think I'm normal yeah. and fine, if you think that I'm a great leader, if you think I'm a great coach, you sh- you got to do this too. You got to right. do this too. There's no shame in this game. Yeah. At all, at all. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's that is powerful. Um, as we start to wrap up, if there's one or two things you could give the listener today that if they they take action right away it would help move their life forward today, what what might they be? I think a lot of people that I'm meeting right now, and a lot of my coaching clients when I first start working with them are running on autopilot, and they have a belief and it's a real limiting belief. And I'm sure that you run into this too uh, in some of the people that you run circles with that that they have to be a slave to the work. And if if at any point, and if someone's listening and they're like, yes, I'm on a treadmill and I can't get off, or I'm feeling the effects of burnout, but I don't know how to fix it. This is your wake up call to just hit pause on everything. All of the stuff that is on your calendar, the emails, the systems that you're using to try and hold it all together, it's all made up. All yeah. of it is made up. It's it's made up. It's, it's literally written in pencil. It's all made up. And there's an eraser at the end of the pencil for a purpose. You can just cross out what you already had, right? Scratch it out yeah. and rewrite it. So, you know, a lot of the work that I do with leaders is saying, just stop, pretend like you just started a new job. And you have a clean, a clean calendar 
You have nothing in your inbox. You have no ways um, or habits that, that you've already formed and start all over again. You can start all over again. It's You're not going to lose everything. You're not going to get fired. And if yeah. you do, that's not the place for you. But it's really about deciding to hit reset. And we're, you know, whenever you, you put this out, it's not going to be on January 1st. Don't let it sit that long, Nate. Right. It won't be on January 1st, right? <laughs> it, let it be, let it be June 16th. That's a perfect day. It's like when people decided to stop drinking and they stopped, start, stop using drugs, stop smoking. The day of the year doesn't matter. That gets to right. be like your new year's day, wipe the slate clean and start all over again. Cause it's all made up anyway. So you can yeah. make it up, but make it up to work for you, not you working for it. Yeah. I love that. I get a, a good friend and, and even mentor a little shout out to Jeremy Newsom. He often says, uh, make Monday your one day. So yeah, I love it. You know, just, yeah. Pick, pick that day and just make that your day, your one day. So that's right. Beautiful. Love it. What's what's the best way that we can find out more about you when the book that's upcoming and, you know, following you on social media, all that great stuff, connect with you. Yeah. Yeah. The best way to connect with me. So LinkedIn, if you, someone sends it in and says, Hey man, I heard you on Nate's podcast. We're friends. So you're in the, you're in the club. Awesome. I'm on, I'm on Instagram and TikTok, the same handle, the Katie Campbell. And um, the website is colibrimagic.com. Very good. How do we spell that again? Well, and of course, this would be all linked up in the show notes. But yeah, yeah, C O L I B R I Magic, as you know it to be spelled. dot com. Love it, beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Katie. This has been incredible. And for the listener, don't go anywhere. If you've enjoyed this episode, which I mean, how could you have not, right? With the beautiful Katie Campbell. Um, but yeah, if you've enjoyed this episode, don't go anywhere. We got more incredible guests coming right after this. Again, thank you, Katie, so much for your time today. Thank you, Nate. No doubt you enjoyed that incredible episode of the Championship Leadership Podcast, as always. And this is, again, just a, a gentle nudge and reminder to go check us out at natebailey.org forward slash ULW if you want to transform your life to one that you love, to go out and accomplish things in your life that you've been thinking and dreaming about and, and just have maybe felt that it wasn't even possible at some point. If that is you and you want to take your life to the next level, go again, natebailey.org forward slash UOW. Let's have a conversation and let's change your life for the better. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Of marriage has never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm called to be a leader. I'm a leader, wait, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. If I said it, then I meant it. I probably already did it. Consider it done. Consider it done. Consider it 